Quigley in five, underwater in the yellow lane. Jess Carling of Great Britain. Quigley goes through, the silver to Jess Carling, wonderful silver medal for Great Britain. Welcome to the Honest Athletes podcast with Lauren Quigley and Jazz Carlin. Welcome back to episode four of season two of the podcast. So first of all, we really hope you're enjoying season two. And to anyone who's shared the podcast on social media, talked about it, liked it, or sent us messages, we do see them and we appreciate all of them uh, more than you actually realise. So please do keep those coming in. But episode three, just going back to an episode that's going out tonight for us, but for you listening, it was last week's episode. I'm excited for it to go out tonight. We really went through all the emotions. I normally hate hearing myself back, but whilst I was editing it, I did find myself laughing, listening intently to what we said. Just, it feels like a bit of a debrief, but Jazz, how do you, how did you find episode three? Yeah, it, it's funny, but even the whole podcast, and I guess episode three too, because there was a lot of emotions and highs and lows and that, it does feel like you're really opening up. And at times I've really struggled opening up. I don't know whether it's in sport. I guess you put on such a front that you don't really open yourself up to emotions or want to be seen as seeing emotional. Whereas I think that's changed now. And I think that's definitely... Um, that's definitely like developed where people feel like they can open up now. And I think the podcast is helping me open up more and more and feel comfortable talking about different things and subjects that I haven't normally been able to open up about. So um, I guess at times it, it is quite tough and challenging and going into like some quite tough times and dark places, but you know, I guess we're both here to be able to help, to be able to support people and the messages that we get that people can relate, people can um, take some, I guess, courage and hope from some of our stories and things like that, which definitely makes us feel better for doing it and for sharing it and for being able to help. So, um, yeah, it was it was a tough episode to record. Highs, lows, great times, bad times. But um, hopefully some people can relate to it as well. And I guess sometimes you just always see the good times in sports where it's really good to hear some of those tougher times that you've had to overcome. How did you find it? The same, really. I mean, I came off the episode and I was like, how did that go? Like, I couldn't even really remember. I just remembered that we'd had a right laugh at times, which was hilarious. And then also we had gone into those deep moments. So I wasn't sure how the episode was going to come off, but like I said, watching it back, editing it, I really enjoyed it. And actually I think it was an important one. And hopefully, like you said, we're helping people out. That's what we're here to do. And it just works out for us that it's also our own therapy but also we do have a, a great laugh doing it and we enjoy it and talking to the guests as well. So, um, but after last week's roller coaster episode, we decided that this week we'd talk about some lessons we learned during our swimming. And what, what would we tell baby Carlin or baby Quigley who, who's about to take on their journey in sport? So this might be a good one for those still in sport, still competing, just starting their journey. There, there might be some good things here that, that come out that might help people with their, their own time within sport. So to kick things off, give me something you'd love to have known that you were maybe something that you only realised towards the end of your sport or 
that even when you'd stepped away? Oh, it's a difficult one. I think I was having quite a long, obviously when we decided what we were going to talk about today and the plan, I've been having to think about it and there are so many different things. And I think it's kind of changed from like a junior side. There was a lot of things that I would maybe have maybe focused on or looked at or worked on a bit more. And then from a senior side, I think it kind of changes. And there was other things that maybe I'd wish I'd maybe done it that way or this. Um, Obviously, I think when you look back, a lot of things, most things teach you a lesson or teach you something about you. You learn something about yourself, um, how you deal with things and things like that. So obviously a lot of things like it's not like I would go back and I would change this or I'd tell you this. I think a lot of it is like, oh, I wish I'd had a bit more help with this or I'd uh, focused a bit more of my time on this, worked on this. Um, I think for me, probably the biggest one is like, giving more time to skills when I was younger and actually thinking that skills was an important thing. Obviously I've always struggled with my turns, starts, even like my technique wasn't always seen as like the most aesthetically pleasing stroke to watch. But I think working on those kind of skills, skills in the pool, the turns. And I guess when you're younger, it seems like, God, my coach is banging on at me about working on my turns, working on this. But I think if I'd have actually worked on them, when I was younger, it had been so much easier when I got older, instead of it having to be like a main focus when I was older to just to try and like work on my turns. Um, I think if I was younger and had it drilled into me, those skills would have been a lot better. Um, so I think that's probably one of the first things. What about you, Quigley? What have you, what would you tell yourself? I mean, just touching on what you've just said in terms of skills, I, I was very lucky with the first club I went to because that's, my my first coach, Kevin Nuttall, that's all we did. We worked on skills, starts, turns, uh, stroke, all that sort of stuff. So I was really lucky in that I didn't really have a choice, but then I loved doing it as well. So especially starts, we used to love doing starts. So whenever I would do a race, I'd always be first to 15. And I wish there was a race to 15 because I'd have loved that. Now, obviously, there's things that I could have worked on, turns-wise, stuff <laughs> like that. But the starts just proves what you've just said is like, because I worked on them so much when I was younger that when I was older, I never really had to think about them too much. It was just natural to, to get in and do. If I said to you then, in terms of something that if I told you at the start of your career or looking back at yours don't be scared of losing or scared of failing did you ever in your career feel like you were scared of a goal in case you didn't manage to you know achieve that goal or someone else was there when you were younger and you thought oh I'd want to beat them in a in a scared way yeah oh um I've never really thought about it like that um I guess I wouldn't say I'd gone into races scared or things that have scared me. Um, I think obviously there's like um, a nervous, anxious feeling before races, competitions. And I guess sometimes your goals thinking about, oh, I want to be able to do this. I want to do that. Um, Would I say it's scared of them? Probably not. Um, I actually read a book after missing out. I think I touched on it in one of the other episodes. I'm missing out after missing out on the London 2012 Olympics. I read a book and it was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And obviously for me, that was a big thing because getting back in the pool after missing out on the London Olympics, um, I had, I guess, a fear. Am I going to go on to the Olympics? Like, um, it's another four years away. Can I do it? And I think that book just kind of, 
made me think, yeah, there is a lot of fears. There's a lot of questions and a lot of things are uncertain. Um, but if I go and do my best and just go for it and how much I'm going to enjoy it. And obviously, luckily for me, it did turn out in a good way. And I managed to go on to Olympics and come away with two medals and the kind of dream come true happened. But I guess on the other hand, it could have completely gone the other way and I could have, I don't know, had an injury. I could have not got there. And I think um, there are so many different things that can either end your career, um, injury, illness. Um, I think you see it a lot in swimming, the financial side of it, where a lot of athletes get to their career and they can't actually afford to swim anymore. And how heartbreaking is that? That obviously it is a fairly expensive sport with being able to, if you want to get the pool time, with a club, you have to pay fees. And then on top of that, it's your physio. If you want to see a nutritionist, all these kind of things stack up. And all those things are like really important, you know, and we will touch on those more. Um, so I think, yeah, it's um, it's a really tough sport. And I think there is that kind of fear. But for me, I guess I it was very lucky for me that I did have that kind of happy ending, but it could have easily gone the complete other way. Um, but I guess there was that kind of fear that, oh, I might not go to the Olympics, might, might, might not be able to achieve my goals. And that is quite like an unsettling, unnerving feeling, I think, that um, you've maybe got these hopes and aspirations and that you won't actually achieve them or that you might not actually ever achieve them. So I think that's quite a difficult one. Um, what about you? Did you have that any of that kind of fear or, I guess... Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely did. And I actually touched on this. I had a very good conversation with Lauren Stedman. Um, it was a, it was a live actually on Instagram. I can't remember who it was for, but it was about this. It was about fearing your goals or fearing people around you. Mine for me was more goals and it was more based on letting people down. I thought if I don't do that, I'm going to let everyone down. If I, so I, I almost got to a point at times where I was too scared to, to just let myself get in, really go for it and give it my all because it was like, if I give it my all, I failed big time. It's that fear of failure. It's that, and I know a lot of people experience that in sport and it's such a big stumbling block for a lot of athletes where it is that just fear, fear and it is it's that thing in life where fear stops a lot of people from doing fantastic things and so it's it's about learning to manage that and knowing that you can only literally give 100% on that day that's it that's all you can do so as long as you can say you've done that then fear again sometimes is a good thing but too much will hinder your performance and so just having confidence in being able to give that 100%. Moving on to something else, something completely different, and I think you'll get, you'll definitely feel this one, it's making the most of the time with your teammates. Because when it's over, you go from seeing them every day and them seeing you at your worst at half four in the morning, five, six, whatever time it is, I mean let's be honest, we don't look fantastic at that time in the morning when we turn up at the pool and have to dive in a freezing cold pool and then seeing them again later, seeing them more than you see your family. And then when you finish, all of a sudden it's like, 
oh, I'm not going to see them anymore. And and you almost feel guilty that you maybe have took that for granted that you had these great people around you because you do create these real strong bonds with these people. They become family. And then again, all of a sudden, they're not there anymore. They're not there every day to have a laugh with and stuff like that. So just wanted to talk about making the most of that time. Yeah, I think it's... It is, as you said, it's making the most of that time. I think at times I've probably been in like you are in a kind of bubble and um, of all the people around you. And you sometimes do take for granted that social contact that you have with everyone and how much um, I guess seeing people and how much of a difference you can make to someone else if they're having a bit of a tough day. And when you step away and then you kind of feel like well, you're not seeing as many people all the time, just automatically through swimming and sport. And um, and then I guess, yeah, when you step away, sometimes it can be quite a lonely place, I think, because you go from seeing people from your teammates, your coaches, your physios, all the people around you to then step away. And I, I said it in one of, one of the first episodes and I said, people aren't as interested, like how you're doing. And I think that's quite that's quite hard, you know, it's you go from having this bubble of people around you to then step away. It can sometimes feel quite lonely. And um, I think that's where you're very lucky to have like the support of family and friends. And at times it's quite nice to have some friends that actually don't really quite understand swimming and can, they don't even really understand why you'd want to get in a freezing cold pool. Um, So I think that is probably like something you do take for granted, that social contact. I think um, when I look back from when I was younger, I think I didn't really quite understand the importance of like nutrition and hydration and how much that can actually play a part in your training and your performance. And I was, I was very lucky with my mum and dad that it used to, I used to have really healthy, nutritious meals but I guess the timing of it, um, the protein, and even I think that's, I eat more protein now than I did when I swam. And wow. I see it as a real importance now with like my gym training and all that kind of stuff. Whereas when I swam, I just didn't really think, I obviously knew protein was important, but I didn't really have it as, as much or I wasn't monitoring how much I was actually having. And in particular, obviously, when I was younger and how much importance it is for making sure you've had enough protein after training to make sure you're recovering for the next session the next day um, and all those kinds of different bits. So I think um, even from like a young point of view, I remember sometimes at school, I don't know, you'd just be talking at lunchtime and I wouldn't eat my like sandwiches in my lunchbox. (laughs) I'd get home and obviously and then I go straight to training and I've not had any food during the day from school. So I think... um, that importance of how much nutrition is a fuel for your body. It's like your car won't run on empty. You need to fill that tank up and make sure that you are making sure that your car is going to run well. And I think that is so important. And at times I've massively underplayed the importance of nutrition and how much it can actually affect your training, your performance and race day. So I think obviously when you get to that elite, elite level, you do get access to nutritionists and things like that, um, which is not always something that I thought, oh, I need to see the nutritionist or whatever. Um, but when I look back, I think that was something that I really should have worked on and ha- and can be so um, so important to your training, both 
in the gym and in swimming. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that would be one thing. What about you? What has your nutrition always been like? I think the overcomplication of nutrition can be a bad thing sometimes. I don't think it needs to be overcomplicated. People focus too much on the fine, fine details where they just need to make sure they get the basics right, especially when you're younger. For a lot of people, it can cause problems. I've seen so many swimmers, particularly ones that have issues with body image, that overthink the nutrition side of it. And they look more at the calories instead of, as an athlete, only looking at calories as a have I got enough fuel is a good thing. So it's more about as an athlete, like you just said it perfectly, have you got enough fuel to be able to turn up to the next session and give you give it your all? Um, are you fueling your body correctly rather than how many calories did I burn versus how many do I need to put back in? You know, I yeah. yeah, I mean... Don't miss it. So when I talk about nutrition, no, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not, yeah. it's not about the, ca- it's not about the calories at all. No, of course, I, no, no. I, no, I, wasn't. I probably, I probably needed more calories actually when I was yeah. younger. That I was actually trying to say that at times, I didn't actually eat enough, and I would have had more protein with each meal. No, um, no, I, trust me, I get you yeah. that. I, I know you weren't saying that. Um, I'm just saying it from a from working with other athletes, from seeing it around in the environments that I was in. Sometimes, it was it was overcomplicated. Absolutely, when you're younger, making sure, like you said, I wish I'd had a bit more protein. You know, that's not the fine details. That's literally, I need to eat more, which is great. And yeah, you need to have that fuel, especially for the events you were doing. But I think it's a positive and a negative for some people. Some people, when you talk too much about it, they get a bit overwhelmed um, and stuff like that. But yeah, again, my my parents made sure that the meals were all balanced, healthy. I can't really knock that, to be honest. I think I was told, though, from people who weren't experts at a crucial age, things like don't have more than two bananas a week. There's too much sugar in them there's there's carbs in sweet corn so make sure you just switch out your carbs for sweet corn we were actually sat at a restaurant once at a competition and there was a girl younger than me and the chef from the hotel brought out bolognese for everyone so pasta and bolognese sauce and the coach pointed at one of the girls and said no no she's not having any pasta just take the pasta away and just bring her the sauce. And so that's where in sport it can get dangerous because people who aren't experts get involved and then it can become a, an issue. Um, so by no means was I saying you were saying, you know, anything negative. It was more just from my experience, I would hate for people to think that it needs to be something that is fine-tuned, especially when you're younger. Yeah, I don't think fine-tuned, but I think there's, I don't know, I think the education side of it is really important and giving people the tools. And I'm forever forever being asked, what do you eat before a competition or what do you have after training? And so I think having those tools, and there are obviously a lot of great tools out there, um, but I think I meant, yeah, from the recovery, and I think use, we say it, using your car as fuel, you need to fuel what goes into your car 
to make sure it runs effectively. You need to make sure you've got enough fuel. Um, and also I say it all the time, it's like you, you're in control, you're in charge of who's in your car. So the people that are going to lift you up and make your car run smoothly and I guess bring a lot of happiness and enjoyment to your life. So make sure that you, I guess, have the right people that are going to lift you up in your life. Um, so I think, yeah, obviously the nutrition side of it, for me, it's more making sure that you're seeing it as fuel um, enough to make sure that you're recovering from training, the protein side of it. I don't think it needs to be overcomplicated in terms of all the different things, but protein is a really key nutrition source. Things like in yogurt, milk. I used to drink a lot of milk when I was younger. Um, but I think that is something, even at my senior, senior career, I maybe wish I'd had a bit more protein. Um, just in my diet or measured it a bit more. So I was a bit more aware of even on the tougher days that I was maybe getting in a bit more. Um, the hydration side of it, even now, like I try and drink three to four liters of water a day. Yeah, we both got a big <laughs> jugs of drink of water. And I actually never used to like drinking water. I used to always have squash. And it's only the past like two years that I've actually enjoyed water. And it was only when I like speak to experts and nutritionists and things and they say how much of um say you're dehydrated and you haven't hydrated enough that it has such an impact on your performance and I guess in training I was one guilty I was one of the ones I would have a smidgen maybe a centimeter of my drinks bottle um I'd come out and all the coaches would be moaning at me my mum and dad would be moaning at me and I guess I didn't really realize the importance of it and I used to always struggle drinking in training actually but I think um, I should have drank more around training to make sure that I was having enough around. So it didn't matter as much, I guess, in training. Um, and I even remember there was one competition. It was actually at Bath. Um, we were doing like a summer league, I think, for my home club, Tiger Sharks. And I got out and um, obviously been in a really warm pool, been doing races, relays. I got out and I passed out outside of the pool. What? And that was because I think because I hadn't drank anything. I'd been in this boiling hot pool for a few hours, probably on the bus on the way down. And so I remember outside and the coaches were giving me like a chocolate bar and making sure I drank just to like lift my sugar up. Um, and I think like, I just didn't see the importance of hydration. Whereas now it's like a key, again, it's that fuel in your body and it's making sure that you're given enough fluids. We do um, work better more effectively when we are more hydrated um everything just works better so I do see that as an importance now that maybe when I was younger I didn't see so much of an importance on the hydration side of it yeah we used to have a saying that takes me back if your pee is golden your medal won't be and so it was literally drink um and and it, it actually got everyone to drink quite a lot after that saying but yeah, definitely. We used to get hounded by coaches in a good way of like a competition or at the pool. How much have you drank? Where's your drink? Go past my coach. Where's your drink? And be like, all right, okay. And it, it's so important. Definitely so important. And it's why you'll see if you go to a major meet, that, you know, the athletes always have a drink in hand, whether that's around the hotel, at the competition, during training, there's always some sort of fluid there, which is, yeah, super important. Taking the positives out of every situation, bad races, bad sessions. Were you good at going, 
well, that, that wasn't great, but I did this good or that good. Or were you maybe at some point in your career like that was rubbish? You know, people take it home with them. It's oh, rubbish. People say, how was it? Rubbish. Um, how are you with actually taking the positives out of stuff? I think from my senior racing and training days, I was terrible. I used to really be so hard on myself. And I guess um, at times that's probably helped me because it's made me strive for more to be better and faster and things like that. But on the other hand, it was quite detrimental in just always chasing and expecting quicker, faster, stronger, not satisfied. And yeah, I would bring it home with me sometimes, you know, and find it hard to shake it off having a bad day of training to then have a great day at home. I would always find that very difficult. And um, I think that brought a, le- a really real level of intensity and um, can't switch off from it. I've really struggled to switch off from it, especially in those last kind of few years, I guess, being able to switch off from that's training, that's one part of my life, but I can come home and still switch off and be happy and um, find other ways. But it became so much of my life that it then brought that level intensity where I couldn't shake it off and I couldn't think, oh, I can go and do this and I can take my mind off it. It became such a huge part of my life where I couldn't actually switch off from those times. I think when I was younger, you know, I don't even remember, but I'm sure I would have been a bit disappointed. I think there was one time where my coach at Tiger Sharks had set me a session And um, I think I missed it and I got a bit upset because he'd set me all these target times and it was like a week, like a week, I think it was a six week block of these 4100s and um, I missed my target time and I was really gutted. Um, So I think you've got to have an element of being a bit disappointed when training isn't going well, because I think if you're really happy to do a really bad session, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily the best thing I think you've got to have a little bit in you will identify and I guess where it went wrong was I a bit tired had I not fueled enough was I all those kinds of other things is it just because it's one of those days which we all do get but I think if it I guess it starts to become persistent then that's when it starts to become the issue you know I think that's um the most important thing I'm gonna have to pause my cat is going absolutely crazy um, I'm really sorry. What are you going nuts for? Look, the floof ball. Ah, uh, what's going on? Do you want to? Do you have something you want to say? Do you have anything that you would like to tell your younger self? No. Okay. <laughs> you know what? My cat's the most attention-seeking animals. Anyway, sorry about that. That's all right. Um, right. I know what I was going to say was it's definitely a skill to have a really hard skill to to master to acknowledge like you've just said not just brush it off and go I'm still having a great day even though I was 10 seconds off my target times but more so to go right okay that wasn't great what are the reasons why maybe I was tired or you know not feeling great technique whatever but then to go okay, but I can't do anything about that now. So what positives can I take and how can next session be better? And it's really difficult. I'm sat here as if I'm some sort of guru that was perfect at it and did it every single time. There were times I was dreadful. 
I was awful. Like you said, really tough on myself. Nothing was, nothing was quite good enough. Um, if I did a set of 10 100s and I hit nine on target and then I missed one, then that would, that one would completely change the whole day for me. It'd be rubbish, you know, I'm not good enough, all that sort of stuff. So I can't imagine what it's like for some coaches sometimes or any coach to have to deal with with that in, in athletes. And it is a good thing, like you said, to a certain extent, but then there is a trick to it where, again, Liam Tancock's probably one of the best people I've ever seen at it because he was sort of like, well, then when I leave the pool, that's where I leave it. And you just get on with the rest of your day. And it's going back to that thing of it's just something you do. It's not you. It's just something you do. So what's the next thing I'm doing now? Breakfast. You know, it's like, and it, and it is really hard, but if you can practice that skill and get out of a bad race and go, mm, yeah, I was way off there, but actually my start was great, you know, and, and I'm going to work on my turn next time. But just switching it in your mind, it's, again, not easy, but... One of the best examples is, like, I remember training with Andrew Willis and he was obviously, well, a world-class swimmer, won medals internationally, and... It was always like a known fact. I still talk about it now with some of the swimmers is like in during the year, his times like, so his best would be 207, 208 in 200 breaststroke. And we've seen him go around 220 in season, 223, you know, um, on a 200 meters breaststroke. And, but that did never, that never changed um, his I guess goals his confidence heading into a main competition that was just like yeah that's my that's what I swim in season and I think I guess a lot of swimmers hope for having these amazing swims when they're tired whereas in reality you've still got to think oh that's building me up to the main competition and Willis was a great example in training he used to always well, our coach used to love him. He said he was a great example. He used to bring so much energy to everyone, fun, laughter, great personality, and brought a lot to the group. And I think you do need a lot of people like that in your group. And swimming can be quite a lonely and individual sport, you know, when you're in racing and it's just you up and down that line. But having those teammates around you and you can make such a difference to someone's day, and it's the same in life. I guess you never know what someone's going through. So supporting your teammates, I think, is really important. Um, but yeah, I think it's being able to have the confidence that you can have those swims and that they, you may be off, you may be quite uh, quite far off, but that doesn't take it away from what you're going to be able to do at the main competitions of the year. And trying to see sometimes the bigger picture, it's just a really tiny part of that puzzle that what can you learn from every single swim? And I remember even um, before the Rio Olympics and the year before, my coach, David McNulty, had said to me, look, Jazz, if, if we're going to the Olympics and we want to win two medals, um, you can't swim the same way you've always swam, coming from behind. You're going to have to swim differently. And so I had to be out from the start, not chasing from behind like I used to always do. And I think changing my race plan and being confident and... Um, yeah, being able to think that this is how I'm going to swim. I had to commit to it. And don't get me wrong, some some competitions I'd go to, I wouldn't be able to do it. Other competitions, I'd maybe get a bit close. And then other competitions, I'd be able to go out nice and hard and things like that. And it was committing to that race plan. And it doesn't always go right. I think it's having those expectations 
it doesn't always happen. And you learn from each time and what can you get out of each swim? Sometimes it goes right, sometimes it doesn't. And it's being able to accept that it's not always going to be um, your best swim ever from every single race and committing to something different. Don't be afraid to try something different. And I think even when I look back, I think that's one thing that I'd wished I'd maybe tried out a little bit more in my career is different race plans, trying to go out a bit more from the start, trying to um, try out different ways of race because it's the same race every single time. Well, don't be afraid that you also feel like you've got a race exactly the same way. Why don't you go out a bit harder from the start? Why don't you try and work in the middle? Try all those different things at how you can race it and experiment. Don't be afraid to always have to do the same thing. I think that was a big one for me. And at times, I guess the confidence was huge for me, not always having confidence on the blocks, which when I look back now, makes me really sad because I'm like, why weren't you confident in yourself? And how much of a difference in your head, if you believe in yourself, how much a difference you can actually make to your own performance just by believing in yourself. It's so powerful. And I've, at times that's something I've definitely neglected. Do you think about any of your races like that? If you'd have, I guess, thought about things a bit differently, either from the confidence side of it or race planning or I Absolutely. guess looked at it in a different way. Absolutely, yeah. Confidence for me was something I always struggled with, still always struggle with now. I think a lot of people do. I think it's it's something that lots of people will be able to resonate with. And it's, again, hindsight is just beautiful, isn't it? Because you can look back and go, well, you know, I should have been confident because I trained really hard. But actually, in the moment when you're surrounded by your rivals and amazing athletes and stuff like that, you know, sometimes a lot of the time people do doubt themselves and I definitely did and I wish I was more confident absolutely because again that's a massive factor in the success of someone's race it's like if you're confident and you believe it so it's not the bravado of walking out oh yeah I'm fine yeah, yeah. but more of being like no I am fine and I have trained hard and I'm here. This is my lane. No one can interfere with it. I'm just going to give it my all here and, and follow my own race plan. And yes, confidence in your coach, confidence in the team around you, confidence in your warm up, confidence in the breakfast you just ate. It's, it's all the little bits of confidence that add together that make some positive building blocks to create a good performance. And so, yeah, confidence for me was definitely something that I wish I'd worked on. So looking back, and I know we've spoken about this before, we work hours and hours and hours, week in, week out of, I mean, you 100 plus K a week physically to get ready for the race. What do you think about the mental side? Did you ever work on the mental side? You know, in, in ratio to physically training, mentally, did you train? Yeah, I think I did obviously work with a sports psychologist um, actually from a young age because I was very lucky that when I was 15 and obviously I spoke about it in the last episode when my dad suffered a stroke, um, Swim Wales offered me to speak to the psychologist. So that was actually great support for me at a young age. And I think just being able to talk someone and talk through all the things that were going on at home which can make a big difference to your performance too. It's not always just what you do in the pool. But um, then from, I guess, an older age on and off, 
working with psychologists and then before Rio had a great sports psychologist um, that I worked with consistently for two years in the lead up to Rio and I think that was key to my performance to be honest and it was all about I guess committing to the race plan committing to my comfort being how being able to have confidence being able to I guess know what works best for me how I was going to get the most out of myself day to day and those little things and managing my emotions at times, I guess, and things, taking things back a step back to look at it in a bit of a different way. So I think that is key to it, but obviously not everyone gets access to sports psychologists and things, but even looking back, I think wellbeing is spoken about a lot more now. And I'm actually doing some workshops with some whales and things and talking about wellbeing is a lot more spoken about now and the things that you can do and being able to identify, I guess, yourself when your well-being has come down. And at times I've not been able to, I've not looked after myself in that aspect and I've not um, focused on what's good for me, what makes me happy, what makes me happy away from jazz, the summer, swimming in a pool, racing well, that makes me happy, things that make me happy away from that. So I think, I guess, having more of a life balance would have been a bit more important, I think, being able to figure out what makes me happy away from the pool, not taking anything away from the things I was doing in the pool, but those things that can give bring you enjoyment and happiness away from swimming in a pool, racing in a pool and those goals. I think that's really important too, and not necessarily something that I always gave enough time to what about you do you think that sports psychology side did you do much work on it too yeah I saw a few different sports psychologists who were all fantastic and helped me through a lot did I work on it enough no absolutely not and that was probably my downfall it was like I've said before physically you know I was there mentally I wasn't there and could have done with I probably didn't have a sports psychologist at the time when I needed it the most and probably didn't want to ask for it at that time because thought it looked like a weakness and, oh, she's not good in the year she needs to be good, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I wish, and again, it goes back to, like you've just said, you're working with Swim Wales on well-being and stuff like that it comes back to the mentoring and being that person, hopefully for someone else or helping other people through things that need to be talked about and discussed and, and stuff like that from a mentor type place. One of the things that stuck out to me again, when we decided to, to focus on this today was the constant chase of being an athlete. It was what competition is next what's you know where where do I have to be next week where do I have to be there where do I have to be there and there's never that just stop and appreciate where you are what you're doing who you're with what country you're in what where you're able to travel to there was never that just moment of appreciation just actually taking it in it was just right what's next when's my next flight when do I have to suit up next where we travel into next, how long till that, the countdown. It's always that chase, something that I really wish I'd just stopped for a second and gone, I'm proud of myself there. I did really well at this competition. Let me just have a moment to celebrate what I've done and then we'll get on to the next thing rather than getting to the end of it all and going, 
did I really even celebrate anything? I don't think I did. And actually what I've done, some of the things I've done are pretty good. And I, I really wish I had. So did you do you feel that? Yeah, exactly. And I've I've spoken about that quite a bit too. And the importance of being able to think about being in the moment and there's times I remember going to places and like I just didn't want to wow I didn't even want to go and explore because I was so tired from training whereas I wish I'd just gone out gone and had like I don't know a drink and I don't know just gone and I guess seen more of the place I guess at times it's all focused on I guess whether it's a competition that being able to go to the pool and back a lot of places we've gone and just seen the hotel and the pool um, but I do think that in terms of the performance side, I think um, how often did I actually enjoy those small wins along the way and also appreciate the competitions, the things, that, the experiences that I've been able to go to. It was always chasing on to the next thing. And there always is, I guess, in sport, there is always something coming up next. But I think we can all learn to be better with that in sport and life, I think, is being able to appreciate the here and now and the moment. Um, I think another thing is probably from that injury and illness side, we, I used to always be guilty of trying to rush back. You always try and, I guess, catch up on those last meters or um, you always trying to think, I need to get back to it straight away. Whereas actually sometimes just listen to your body and your body is trying to tell you um, what you need. And at times it's felt like, oh, I can't have two days out of the pool or three days out of the pool. Whereas in reality, especially this past year, seeing athletes and how they've been able to adapt to doing things on land and come out even stronger, that should be a lesson for, for us all, I guess. And I wish I'd had that lesson when I swam was that it doesn't matter if you miss a couple of days training, you, you can do it in other ways, you can work in other ways, and it's not going to impact the bigger performance. Whereas I guess we've got this kind of mindset, I think, in swimming of... We, we can't miss a session or like the guilt that I used to feel over one missed session. Um, whereas in reality, it's trying to think about what is best for me, that bigger picture. Am I, have I got um, a little injury that I need to work on? Have I got this? And it's not the end of the world if I have to work around a couple of days or build back into training um, in the long run, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. It's like, I mean, I see it, I've seen it with working with loads of different athletes from going abroad and stuff like that. The, the best ones, majority, listen to their body, listen to what they need, actually go if they turn up to training and they, they have that communication with their coach, the open, honest communication of, look, today isn't the day. And the coach then listens, right, okay, so what what do we need to do today? When, you know, when can we step it up again then? It's it's just about the I don't want to say being mature because it's not it's not like everyone who doesn't do it is childish. Because again, I was rubbish with stuff like that. One miss session, or I never wanted to go easy, even if I was on my last legs it was like no no I'll still do the set and it's like but why you'll get more out of getting out even and resting rather than just trying to soldier through it it's not big and tough and gray and oh she doesn't miss it's actually like well no be mature about it you're not what you're going to get out of this versus what can you get out of this and so 
yeah, I mean, I can definitely relate on on all this on all this stuff. Is there any anything else that you'd look back or you'd you'd like to any younger guys listening or people athletes just going through it right now that you you think oh I wish I'd have known that or someone had said that to me or helped me with that? I think probably don't be afraid to speak up and to say what works best for you. No one knows you or your body more than you. And so never be afraid to ask for things, to be able to speak up, to think certain sessions work best for me, or I really like doing this, or I feel like I'm most confident doing this. No one knows you better than yourself. So I think never be afraid to speak up if there's something that you'd like to do, something that you feel is going to be beneficial to your training be able to communicate effectively with people around you. And at times, I guess I've probably been guilty. I guess I expect my coach to be a mind reader and to know how I'm feeling, but you have to be able to tell they can't guess how you're feeling. And as you said, if some days it's not working, don't feel like you've just got to flog up and down and just keep pushing it when it's not working. As long as you've given an honest effort, sometimes it is best to either go home, get some rest, have a lie-in, whether it's to do work on the skills or just switch off and do something else. Don't be afraid to to do that and to always feel like you've got to do more. More is not always more. More is sometimes actually pushing you over the edge. So um, listen to your body and speak up. You know what works best for you. And I think that's the most important. What about you? To be honest, I think we've covered everything that I thought of. I think what you've just said is probably a great end, really. Thank you for that. And I would just like to say thank you to everyone listening. Hopefully you've taken some points from today's podcast. Again, Jazz and I discuss topics and then we sort of have a think on our own of what's might be valuable towards a podcast and and so we're never too sure of what's going to come out of it but somehow we always seem to fill the time don't we just <laughs> obviously you can catch us on youtube spotify apple anchor all those things and finally i would just like to ask jazz did you watch line of duty jazz i did um i I thought it was all right. I, th- I feel like a lot of people were very disappointed. Like I wasn't super disappointed. It was just like, okay. Um, I thought it would have maybe been slightly better, but um, they always leave the door open, don't they? Yeah, I do enjoy it though. I do enjoy it. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. And no, uh, I was very disappointed. And I kept saying to my mum, mum, that can't be the end. She was like, no, no, there's 10 minutes. Something's going to happen. And we both sat there for those 10 minutes. Nothing happened. But so, yeah, I was disappointed. I think a lot of people were, to be honest. But, but yeah, going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of the Honest Athletes podcast. And yeah, we'll have a great week. We'll, we'll see you soon.